From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red platoon and the cat. After three guys, three. We hate VAR. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Steve. Sorry, mate. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Disgrace. What a farce. What a farce. I'm still writing the headlines, lads, so I'll leave it to you to, to wax lyrical about VAR for two seconds. <laughs> I just thought, I mean, Caroline... It's trying to omit swear words. Caroline was on the red this morning before we took over, and she was saying, uh, I'm going to give it just eight minutes into the show before those immortal three words are mentioned. <laughs> I said, try eight seconds. No, it was never going to be eight minutes. Embarrassing. Not, not after that. It's a disgrace. That's all. That's Mickey what it is. taken aside, I just can't believe what I saw last night. I really can't. It, it, it just defied all logic. It it's just, literally, it, there is a clear rule about what happened. <laughs> it's, it's incredible that for like, me. We spoke about it yesterday, Ted, you know what I mean? And we said yesterday, like, how it could be costing people's livelihoods. And now it's, you know, I mean, Champions League, if that costs Newcastle Champions League next round, the amount of money, do you know what I mean? That that's now cost them. It's literally like, it's incredible what VAR is actually costing clubs and people. It's it's wild. Yeah, absolutely. From from managers down to fans, it's now like sort of, it's beyond the pale. and it's not just the VAR, you know, the, uh, I mean, that for me, the referee had a good look at that on the monitor. There is a clear rule in place that if it ricochets off the body and to the yep. arm, then it's not a handball. It, it can't be any clearer in the law of the game. Yeah. Right? But the referee, had a, you know, the referee had a great game last night. He is one of the world's best referees. World Cup, ref, World Cup final referee, Champions League final referee. Um, ultimately, I thought he handled that game brilliantly. And, and that last uh, couple of minutes of injury time, um, we knew then that the penalty was going to be given. As soon as he, he did the monitor sign, you knew it was going to be given. Um, and obviously then, you know, rooting around on the internet for the actual rule, it turns out, obviously, that the, the UEFA rule, as opposed to the Premier League rule, is completely different. I shared it with you guys last night in, yeah, in the WhatsApp yep. group. And there, there is a there is a ruling suggested for next season's competition, which hasn't been passed yet. So, in the rules of the UEFA game, that goal being cancelled, that, that penalty being given was correct. Um, you know, it can come off another part of your body and onto your, onto your arm. But, you know, look, it, it is what it is. Newcastle, on the balance of play, deserved something out of last night's game. Did they, did they deserve to win? No, because you know PSG really did dominate in stages of that game. They, they should have had the game out of sight with the chances they created. Newcastle had probably three clear-cut chances. They scored one. Um, my prediction of a two-two draw was you know was, was almost there. You know it was it could have been two-two, but I, I I'm not complaining. Look, Newcastle go into that final group game against AC Milan as I predicted with a, with a chance of going through. Um, People saying that you know Dortmund have done the job now and that they won't want to beat, um, you know they won't be interested in, in beating PSG. 
believe you me, Dortmund have got their eyes on the prize. They, they'll, they'll want to win this competition. And PSG's a threat going into the, the group of 16, you know, the last 16. And they'll want to knock them out. They, they'll want to play. So all this talk of Dortmund playing a weekend side, I don't believe, don't believe the hype. I think they'll want to go and beat no. them. But Newcastle have got to do the job against AC Milan. Won't be easy, but that you know that that Champions League night at St James's Park because it's something to play for we'll have that atmosphere that we've been talking about this you know this last couple of shows um we'll have that atmosphere bouncing that will be a night to remember for Newcastle fans and if Newcastle can do it and I always said that game would be important Newcastle can do it in front of their own fans then you know it, it it'll be great but yeah there's an injustice we're all talking about you know officials and VAR etc this morning um but but ultimately it was a great game Newcastle took it to PSG on their own ground and who would have thought it Champions League and Batley and all Newcastle's took four points off PSG in the Champions League that 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 is amazing it really really is so credit to the lads last night well done lads Nick Pope Nick Pope needs to be for England. I'm sorry, but if Gareth Southgate wants to watch any sort of belief that he needs what he needs to be in the English goalkeeper, he needs to watch last night's game, that Nick Pope needs to be England's number one. Now, I am he's trying awkward. not to be he's biased. He's awkward, right? He's awkward. Yeah. He's awkward. He's, 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 you know yeah. what? I had a guy in our WhatsApp, one of our WhatsApp groups last night on NUFC Matters WhatsApp group said, we will never win anything with Nick Pope in goal. That was 20 minutes into the game. Now, as always, really? when it was like commentator's curse, because as soon as he said that, Nick Pope had a, had one of those games last night where anything, anything, and everything that was thrown at him, he stopped apart from oh, the penalty, of course. But incredible! I, I, you know, you watch, you watch Nick Pope. He's not your, he's not your, he's not your typical goalkeeper, is he? He doesn't, he doesn't do a Gordon Banks and 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 you know die full length and and catch it in the air. You know what I mean? With no gloves on, he's he's one of these he's one of these goalkeepers. He's big, he's lanky, and he gets in the way. He's he's got that he's got the knack of getting his body in the way, and that's what goalkeepers are supposed to do. There's no you know ideally you want a goalkeeper to go in and tip it around with you know tip it around with his hand, but a lot of a lot of these saves come with his feet, his arms, you know. But he very rarely pulls off what I would call a a normal save. He's it's it's, it's he's weird. A, he's a shot stopper. It's, He's, yeah, he just gets himself in the way. He's a big, big lad, and I, I, you know, I get where my mate was coming from, saying that you know Nick Pope's not, not, you know, we're not going to win anything with Nick Pope. Um, but you know, last night he proved he proved why we bought him. And when you when you bear in mind we got him for less than we got him for less than fifteen million. That 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 in itself, he's been well worth it. Twenty odd clean sheets he's had since he came to Newcastle. He's he's a you know he's one of the England's top goalkeepers. So I'm not disagreeing with you, Ray. Um, but I think there are I think there's better goalkeepers than him in in the UK. I do think Pickford's ahead of him, and that's you know he's a you know a, a Macam loud and proud Pickford. But he is still England's number one for me. I think Nick Pope should certainly be should should certainly be in the squad. But I can see why he doesn't get picked. His distribution was okay last night but his distribution in games hasn't been great and I think that's why he doesn't get picked for the England team although I find it strange that Ramsdale who hadn't been getting a game was getting picked ahead of him um, I don't know I don't know but he's, he's awkward I think that's why he's not I think that's why he's not a favourite of Southgate and why some fans think Newcastle will never win anything with Nick Pope in goal mate mm, there you go there you go well interesting I just thought it was a, a stellar performance from Nick Pope I thought he kept you in it for that uh, long periods. Obviously, the penalty was you know missed right, but I just thought he showed you know he could have had four goalkeepers in for that penalty. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. That was, that was so I, just, yeah, I, I was, I was impressed with Nick Pope. Yeah. I just yeah. feel bad for Livermento. He's such a young player and he's got such a bright future and he's been doing so well, but... Just don't, like, do I mean, I don't wrong. know what he was meant to do with his hands. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do anything is, wrong. Came off his chest, yeah, I mean, don't like, do his arms. Yeah, There's nothing you can yeah, do yeah. about that. And in the Premier League. Remove yeah. it surgically, that, I think. I think that's what that the uh, match <laughs> officials wanted. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. have been a penalty. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a penalty in the Premier League. So, you know, Tino will be feeling a bit down. Of course he will. But he will he, be, he, yeah. He should, he should hold his head very high because, uh, you know, there were some outstanding performances, you know, last night. Anthony Gordon, once again, um, you know, putting a, a stellar performance in. And again, he's he's doing the graft that Sean Longstaff would normally be doing. He ran himself into the ground last night. Uh, Lewis Miley, um, the fact that we, you know, the fact that we very rarely, you know, commented on him last night is 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 testament to his performance because he did everything right. There was there was probably one misplaced pass in ninety minutes. He was he was absolutely mm. superb. And then you know, Isaac. Great, great goal. Um, he should have scored. Should have scored before that. Disappointing that he missed that that first one. I think it came too quickly to him, but in the right place at the right time. Just like Gary Lineker used to be back in the day, um, and and you know, taking the ball, taking the ball into the net uh, to to give us a a well deserved lead at that point. We soaked up the pressure, and then we pushed on, and um, you know, we we took the game to them. But yeah, great, some great performances. Kieran Trippier again showing his class at, at, at right back. Um, that the back four did their job. Jamal Lascelles, who wouldn't have been in anybody's team at the start of the season, um, you know, you know, basically working so well alongside Fabian Share that you know that we, we we kept him back there quiet for the second game in a row. And had it not been for the penalty, that would have been an amazing amazing achievement to keep him quiet in both games and not allow him to score. But yeah, I, you know, I could wax lyrical about the whole team. Really, they they all had they all had a they all had a night to remember. It was one of the most heroic performances I've seen from a Newcastle team in Europe. I think they um, they went there with the right attitude, with a will to win, and you know they've they've given themselves a fighting chance against AC Milan and Dortmund. You know, proving to everybody that they're the best team in the group. They've gone through, uh, but the group of death certainly living up to its name with the uh, you know with, you know with the way that the the final set of games will pan out, and it's exciting. It's exciting, and of course. The European journey might not be over for Newcastle if they can avoid defeat against AC Milan and finish third. Then Newcastle will go into the Europa League. So you know the European the European nights are still very much alive if you know if they avoid defeat against Milan. So it's you know it's not win or bust. It's a win or draw, um, mm-hmm. and and that's that that in itself is is exciting, I guess, for a lot of Newcastle fans. For me personally. With the, with the way things had gone with the injuries, I would have preferred to have gone out of Europe um, if we hadn't qualified for the 16 in the Champions League. But if we go into the Europa, you take it, you get on with it. And, and hopefully the second half of the season, our list of injuries will diminish and we will have more or less a full squad to pick from. But uh, I think that all the question marks over whether Newcastle United could handle the pressure and handle an extended fixture list have been answered in abundance game by game. And, and you know, we go into the games... Um, like this, you know, we've gone into games like this slightly nervous about the personnel that's been available. But, but, but ultimately, I think Newcastle fans should start relaxing because ultimately, as we go in game by game by game, and, and it doesn't matter who he puts out, we still get a performance like that last night. And with the exception of Bournemouth and Brighton, it must be something about the south coast in the air down there. With the with the, with the acceptance of those two um, those two games, we've had. 100% effort from the teams and, and, and that's all you can ask for and there was a banner unfilled at Newcastle under Mike Ashley saying we just want a, a team that tries 
and and we've got that now. You know, we've we've got that. Um, we, you know, we weren't we weren't demanding silverware. We weren't demanding success. All we wanted was a team that tried. And and you know, Newcastle United fans should be waking up this morning, not downhearted, not gutted. They should be waking up full of you know full of admiration for a team that cares about the black and white shirt and wants to try and do well. And I keep saying it, but we're not too far away from a trophy because you know this this team is this team is determined to get there and do something. So all eyes focused now on Manchester United. I know we're going to have Melly on later on in the week here to to talk about that. I, I did a podcast with him last night. He's he's he he was very um, outspoken on behalf of Newcastle last night. He felt that we were robbed and Newcastle deserved the win. But uh, yeah, we're focused on that now. It's uh, it's a big it's a big month. But two games in to this ten games in thirty two days. Four one win at Chelsea. One one draw at PSG. Bring on Manchester United. And speaking of the best club in the absolute world, how about the bra, baby? Actually, before be, just before we do move on to that best club in the world, uh, we have had a caller, uh, a long time listener, uh, first time caller. His name is Mikel, yep. and he wanted to make a comment about that VR decision. It's embarrassing. Ah, uh, it's a uh, disgrace. <laughs> That's what it is, a disgrace. There you go. Uh, thanks, Mikael. Thanks for that one, thanks, mate. Thanks, Mikael. Yeah. Thanks, Mikael. It's great to see you, mate. Great to see you. Great to, great to hear from you as well. Uh, uh, but one team that didn't need a VAR result last night was the mighty Middlesbrough. Oh, my goodness, lads. We are the best team in the world, and I'm not even... No, I've got to keep it calm. I've got to keep it calm. We, honestly, I was not predicting that last night from our lads. Where? Uh, especially... Where did especially, that come from? When the team lineout comes out and we're missing Hayden Hackney and Dale Fry, who are both now injured as well. Hayden Hackney has done his hamstring down there. He's done his knee, apparently. Now we're missing, two, you know, arguably our best midfielder that we've had all season, if not the year. And then all of a sudden we're taking on Preston, who are in the sixth spot in the championship. And we've come away with a 4-0 victory. 3-0 at halftime. 6 a.m. my time this morning, lads. Oh, my goodness. It was just... One of those games where you just would just sit back and just watch and were in awe of the football that Middlesbrough played, especially with the makeshift squad we had. Uh, we had a young 17-year-old debut for McCabe, Law McCabe, which is a sick name, by the way. I'd love to be called Law Mum. Thanks for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was, it was absolutely incredible. And just, it just the ability, Steve touched on it, obviously, that Newcastle keeps signing, you know, finding a way to win, you know, with all their injuries and the way they came. But... You know, Middlesbrough coming off a bad loss on the weekend where we were starting to think, well, the injuries are starting to rack up. Maybe we can't, but Middlesbrough at home uh, are a different beast, I tell you. Obviously, away from home, we've got to start working on that. We've got Leeds this weekend, which is going to be a massive test for us now. But to beat Preston at home 4-0, my goodness, lads, just sit back, relax, and enjoy that because I tell you what, every time you taste it from that delicious cup of success, oh, it goes down so smoothly, Ted. But it could have been six or seven. They were awful. It could have been. It could have been six oh. or seven. Yeah. I mean, Borough, yeah. They, 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 to be honest, Borough came yeah. out and the, they'd stopped playing before the halftime whistle, yeah. Borough. Three yeah. nil up. Yeah, no. I, I, Pass yeah. the ball around. It was incredible. Kill it. Yeah. Izzy Jones Izzy Jones could have had a hat trick before halftime. You know, it was, it, but for that Woodman that he just luckily got that foot in the way, Izzy Jones could have had a hat trick. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely incredible. Brad Vandenberg, when you move him from right back to his natural position in centre back, he is the best centre back in the absolute world. Do you know what I mean? And I'm trying to keep a lid on it. Do you know what I mean? But he would win the Champions League by himself. Do you know what I mean? He, he would take on any team. He would, could take on a team of uh, Barcelona at 11 and beat them you know, by himself. He's just that good at 19 years age. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm keeping a lid on it. It was just incredible to see him step back. 
I'm just trying to trigger Stevie. <laughs> but honestly, just the boys that came in and stepped up for those, the injuries that we had, and to lose Hayden Hackney, to lose Dale Fry, was, it sheds shivers down our spine in terms of the injuries that Mizra starting to rack up now. How long they're both out for, we don't know. We've, we had I had inkling yesterday morning uh, from a few Twitter DMs that Hackney was out, um, but I didn't, obviously, I'd take it with grains of salt. Uh, all these Twitter DMs that I get, but I had heard that he had been out. I'm not sure for how long now. It's just scary, but a debut for 17-year-old Law McKay. We saw Matt Clark come back after 13 months of no football after a serious back injury. Middlesbrough beat Preston 4-0. We're above Sunderland, who are absolutely all gone at sea. They can't score to save the cow. You know what I mean? Ah. So it's just, it's it's incredible. You know what I mean? And, uh, I'm, you know, we're keeping a lid on it, but, you know, we're just going to win the whole thing now in Champions League. He gets one lucky win and he goes absolutely one <laughs> lucky win. One. I love that dramatic pause. One lucky win. Come on. Ten. On, a, on a slightly, on a slightly serious note, right? Because, I mean, none of us saw this coming. That, you know, that, that no. Mystic Meg wouldn't have seen that. Obviously, not just dead, but you know, um, that's by the by. Do you think this whole thing with like so the the lineup changing so much is actually kind of making it more difficult for teams to prepare against Middlesbrough? Because obviously, I think you know, so. yeah, Carrick's going to prepare his lads as best as he can. But obviously, Preston are doing their homework and kind of like go right. Well, you know, Dale Fry's a big lad. We're going to watch him on corners, yeah. all that kind of thing. Then all of a sudden, they're coming up against this team where they're going, "Well, who are you?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. Ryan Lowe, the Preston boss, said that his press conference afterwards was incredible. He actually said, I'm angry and disappointed, and there were some harsh words in that dressing room, let me tell you. Uh, they have given us some fantastic football, but when we went one down, there was a fear that set in. Uh, and yeah. it, that fear was driven from these youngsters that just came out and just were... I mean, Izzy Jones was unstoppable last night. There was no one mark, cool yeah. mark him, and Preston are no mugs. They were six in the league. It was, we were talking about how defensive they were just, the other, just yesterday, Ted, and how... You know, their set pieces and stuff like that were to be feared from. They had two or three set pieces in that first half that went into row Z seat 37. It was it was yeah. incredible that the pressure that Middlesbrough were able to apply from a makeshift squad. I mean, we had Vandenberg going back to his natural centre-back row. We had Jig still playing for the first time in centuries. Senny Dieng was, was clutching his left butt cheek uh, at one point because he, he got a sp back spasm. He's played that much football. Uh, Hayden Hackney, who is arguably our best midfielder, was out. We had Johnny House and Dan Balassa in. I mean, Rogers dropped, went, you know, came on. He hasn't started a game. Sam Greenwood was on the bench, which shocked everyone. It was just, and I mean, it was just incredible. Just this makeshift squad. You looked at the to the team lineup, and honestly, my Twitter blew up. It was like, there's no way we're winning. This is gone. It's over. It's done. You know, no, what the heck? Yeah. What is Carrick thinking? It was actually incredible. And then come half time. What, you know, what 45 minutes of football could do for fans. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it was just incredible. And just, yeah, look, honestly, very, very proud of the boys. Very proud of uh, what they were able to prove last night. Uh, spoke with Izzy Jones and, yeah, incredible. Absolutely incredible from the lads. And just, yeah, so proud of the club uh, and obviously coming back after, a, what was it, you know, a bad result on the weekend just to bounce back like that. No one was expecting it. Uh, and, um it just, you know, it's just one for the fans, that one. You know what I mean? It was just one for the fans. It was a blooming we cold were, night in Middlesbrough. We, we were talking about it last, we were talking about it yesterday and, and, you know, saying that this was one of those games where Borough yeah. had to bounce back. And I think, you yeah. know, that shows the, you know, it, it shows that the players listened to Carrick and, you know, they, they got the message. And, you know, it, it's, 
you know, takes you back above Sunderland. You're having your own personal battle, you know, at the moment. Sunderland get a chance to <laughs> Sunderland chance get a, get a chance tonight to put that right. But yeah, Borough, uh, you know, but Borough on 27 points now. So you know, it's the the back back in contention for a you know a, a playoff spot. There three until points we away. play Leeds at the weekend. Yeah. Three points away hey, from hey, Borough. Hey, 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 hey. We're going to beat them 8-0. Mate, I was, I was, I was in this uh, yesterday and we won 4-0. <laughs> I'm going to continue. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It shows, you the, it shows you they're listening to Carrick, though. You know what I mean? The, the, yeah, the, you know the, yeah, the, yeah. that was a blip at the weekend, and they've come good. This uh, they've come good last night. So it's um, yeah. Look, it's there's a long way to go. Here I go again. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But it's um, mm-hmm. you know that that championship that championship table is 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 really really tight. And you know it, it all the way down as we say to thirteenth and fourteenth. Christmas it'll start taking a different shape. All Sunderland and Borough have got to do, as you know, is is be in and around that. Top end of the table, be be eighth, ninth, or tenth going into the you know new year, and you've still got a fighting chance of achieving a playoff spot. So uh, yeah, well done to Borough last night. It, 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 you great know my, my eyes were firmly fixed on the Parc de Prance, but um, yeah, well done, a great great result. See what uh, see what Sunderland do tonight now. And it wasn't the scoreline that flattered the Borough um, because the guys all sitting around me in, in the Riverside last night were la- having a laugh and joke about the exercises that Senny Dieng was giving himself to keep warm because yeah. the play was, was, was predominantly in the Preston half of the field they got they, they, it wasn't even as if they tried to hit us on the counter or anything it was just dominated by play in the other half of the field and Dieng was just giving himself warm up exercises to do while the game's going on because it was so cold I mean that's, that's how dominant incredible. the performance was it wasn't even a a fluky 4-0 where you would scratch your head and think man got sent off you know a la Sunderland yeah. and Borough go and stick four in no it it, it 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 was bizarre it was a bizarre night yeah it was incredible it was yeah honestly it was not something completely out of left field no one would have predicted if you're a bookie you would have had a you know pulling your hair out after that to if anyone had you know even a fiver on Middlesbrough have beat them 4-0. I mean, Preston should have you know and arguably were the better squad going into that especially after what we showed on uh, on the weekend, and arguably when we you, you get a lineup an hour before without Hayden Hackney, without Dale Fry, and you got Vanderberg, Jigsteel, McNair, and Bangura as your back four, which is you know nowhere near the the first four we would ever pick on a team sheet if you had the full squad to pick from. So incredible, incredible night, one to remember uh, for just for just for the unbelievable uh, ness of it. Yeah, you know, I know that's probably not a word, but I've made it up because it is now. It, it, it was it was actually just yeah. <laughs> It was actually it's nice just to hear your mangling English on French. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you. C- you know what, right? Just, I'm, I'm just looking at the table now for the championship. There's actually there's nobody in form, and by that I mean nah. there's actually only one team that that's unbeaten in the last five games, that's and that's Leeds. Southampton. How about Leeds? Uh, oh, everyone, last four no, games. No, no, Leeds, no. Yeah. Leeds yeah, four yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. Last, uh, Leeds, last Leeds four for Leeds. Got Leeds. Beat, yeah. Everyone else has got defeats on the on the column. It's absolutely mm. mental. You're saying about putting it's a damn fiver on. Yeah. You, you just couldn't bet on the championship. Nah. Because everybody nah, is couldn't. capable of beating everybody. And the good nah. news... It's, I mean, it's like... There is good news it's, for Sunderland like fans. Uh, because Preston stunk last night. There is no way they're going to be a strong force in, uh, towards the end of the season. I cannot see them uh, in the performance they put on last nah. night. Being a strong contender for, they for a got playoff the squad, spot. Dave. No. They haven't got the squad. The last, no. that, that, so you can the, the re- remove them. No. You know, Sunderland fans listening, you yeah. can remove them from the equation. There's one less team to worry about. Yeah, yeah. I think Cardiff. Yeah, no, well. I think Cardiff will falter. And there's, yeah. a, there's yeah. a little Cardiff club in there drop. at ninth. They they, they have a What's crap this? Easter and they'll drop off as well. 
I don't get it though, Dave. What the the thing is with Middlesbrough versing teams in six? When we verse, <laughs> we we keep beating teams in six. When we verse Sunderland, they were six, beat them. When we beat Preston, they were six, beat them. When we played Cardiff and beat them, they were in six, beat them. It's a, every team in six that we've come up against, we've beaten. It's incredible. The last four games against um against teams that have been above us, the team has always been in six, and we've that's beaten them all. Well, that's have what we need to do. Have a word with Carrick. Just have a word with Carrick and go, right, lads, yeah. today's team, they're in sixth position. That is team talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all four teams. It's incredible. So, I don't know. It just, obviously, they're boys, you know, they're a young squad. They, they know when there's a team above them that they've got to put up for a fight, and maybe... And, you know, when they got a team like Bristol that were arguably below us, you know, um, you know, you take your foot off and you get beat. So it's just, it's it's interesting how football works like that. It's just, you know, how the, how the lads naturally mentally can get up for a team that's above you. And, you know, you know, you need to put in a performance to, you know, compared to, you know, tonight for you, and you arguably Ted going, uh, going to Huddersfield, you know what I mean? So you know what we need? You know what we need? We need that on, on the 4th of May when the Borough are at home against Watford, we need Watford to be in sixth and Borough to be in seventh. Yes, Correct. That's exactly. It. Last yep. game of the season. Exactly. Leapfrog them into six spot, then, into the into the playoffs. Thank you very much. Yeah. And then when we have Sunderland in the reverse fixture, we need to be first, and they need to be in sixth because it still works backwards. Do you know what I mean? Like that anyway. So do you know what I mean? So and I think we will be. Do you know what I mean? So we'll be in first. Sunderland will be in sixth, and we'll beat them, That's and then right. knock them back down. Do you know what I mean? So I can't it's wait just, for yeah. that live watch along. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it's gonna be a good. Get ready one. with it's the bleep machine, Steve. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be funny that like it is. So I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Oh, what a night, lads. What a night, eh? For two of our teams and then one to come tonight. Northeast football, baby. It brings the best. It, it brings does, the best. It does. It's been an exciting season so far. And as I say, we're coming into the, the busy, busy, hectic period now of, of you know, Christmas and, and New Year. Um, before we get to the, the sports headlines, lads, should we have some headlines uh, from our respective clubs? I think we should. Let's well do done. Not. Get us back on track, mate. Why don't you? Ted, you're first. Oh, Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Bonjour tout le monde, quelle journée reste pour être un fan de Sunderland, les Jordis sont misérables. <laughs> Tony Mowbray is taken ill with a chest infection, but Mark Venus hopes the head coach is well enough to be in the dugout for tonight's game against Huddersfield Town. Venus, who stepped in for Mowbray at Tuesday afternoon's press conference, stop it Ryan, I can still hear you. <laughs> and, Venus, who stepped in for Mowbray at Tuesday's press conference, insists the team's preparation for tonight's game won't be impacted by the head coach's absence. And hope is that Mowbray will be back fighting fit to lead the Black Cats for the visit of the Terriers. We're hoping he'll be back and able to take charge tomorrow, he said. Uh, he's got a chest infection, but I think he'll be there. We obviously need him. We know how he wants to work and how he wants uh, and what he wants, so it hasn't impacted us too much with the build-up and not, and not impacted the preparation either. If he's not there, it won't be the want of trying, but we're hopeful. Former PSG starlet Adil Aushish could be in the line to make his first Sunderland start tonight, with Mark Venus admitting the playmaker has, ev- has made everyone take notice with his cameos from the bench. Aushish was a goal-scoring substitute in the win over Birmingham City before the international break and was introduced after just 45 minutes at Plymouth at the weekend as Tony Mowbray looked for a way back into the game. The 21-year-old couldn't spark a comeback at home park, but Sunderland's coaches have been hugely impressed by the attack in training and games, with Venus admitting he's settled better than any of the other summer signings. 
Venus said, he influences the team when he's on the pitch. He's a talented individual. He's important to us. You can see that. He's getting stronger and better, as you see from watching the games. I think of all the players we brought in over the summer, I think he's the one who seems to have settled in the quickest. He's a very talented boy. His performances from the bench, I think he's made everyone take notice, and you have to take notice of him. And finally, Huddersfield Town boss Darren Moore has been speaking ahead of the trip to Sunderland and revealed the latest injury news. Ahead of the game, Moore revealed he has a number of players he will be assessing on Wednesday ahead of the stadium-alike clash. Moore said, with the game being Wednesday night, it gives us an extra 24 hours, so we're giving all the players an assessment tomorrow. But Kean Harrod won't be available, he's got a muscular injury. David Kasumu and Delano Berzgog came through the other day with no issues and should be able to be involved, but can't 100% say for certain. Le fini, le headlines. Magpies and Proud, Mag's News. Well done to Ted. That was a, a fantastic <laughs> French accent attempt. Uh, Newcastle United Merci. drew 1-1 in the Parc de France in Paris last night with a gritty performance and were robbed of a deserved Champions League win over PSG. A controversial penalty in injury time scored by Mbappe cancelled out Isaac's first half goal. But the Magpies could still go through to the group stages in two weeks' time when they beat AC Milan. The under-19s took part in the UEFA Youth League and they won 2-1 against PSG. Uh, Goals from Bailey and Emerson getting the Magpies the deserved victory. And Mirdad Gaddusi responded to criticism from fans yesterday, finally on his ex-account. The club director had said that the players needed more from the crowd moving forward. In a tweet yesterday he said, Often our intentions and words don't align perfectly. I believe most of you know how deeply I am committed to this club. My heart beats in black and white and my love for the club and all of you is unwavering. We stand united. Here's to us and our journey together. How are the lads? That's your Newcastle United headlines on Wednesday morning. Smoggies and Proud. Borough News. What the fact? Mind the gap. The Borough are back, baby. Woohoo! <laughs> Middlesbrough have come away with a 4 0 win against Preston overnight. And what an improved performance it was from an absolute makeshift squad. Middlesbrough will be hoping for improved fortunes on the injury front now, though, as we now eagerly await to discover the extent of injuries suffered by Dick key duo Dale Fry and Hayden Hackney. The pair missed Burroughs' 4-0 victory over Preston North End on Tuesday evening after both feeling tweaks late in Saturday's defeat against Bristol City. Added to the already confirmed absence of Lucas Engel for the game, it meant Burrow were without eight senior players. Eight senior players. What do we get when we have that, though, Borough fans? A 4-0 victory! Proving their strength in depth, the Borough players came, overcame the challenge with flying colours as we claim tonight in the championship table with an emphatic win. Looking ahead to a tough trip now to Leeds at the weekend, Carrick is hoping the duo's injuries don't prove to be serious. It may have equaled Middlesbrough's biggest win of the season as well, but Michael Carrick didn't agree that the 4-0 victory was press, at over Preston North End was their best win of the season. Asked if uh, Borough could do one better, Carrick said, I don't think it was our best performance, to be honest. I think we played very well in spells, but it probably sums up football because I think overall, performance-wise, we probably played better in some other games. And there were player ratings for 8 out of 10 for most of the Borough players, but the most exciting moments were the return for Matt Clark 
after missing 13 months of football uh, after a serious back injury and a debut for young Law McCabe, who is a 17-year-old midfielder coming on late in the second half. Shows no, that no matter the injuries, our academy is never to be forgotten as one of the best. Born in Middlesbrough, Law has been involved with the academy since the under nine level and has been developing as a technical midfielder. Congratulations to the McCabe family. Law did not look out of place for the short time he was on that field. And Borough, baby, what the fact. Mind that gap. The Borough are back. That is your news headlines. Tad, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North the roads, the cat and the town. Do I get the feeling one of us is excited? You know what? Just oh, before, I, just before I, we go to the sports headlines. Dig. I thought I thought that Rye was laughing at uh, Ted's French accent. He wasn't. He was giggling at the fact that he'd come up with what the fact. Mind the gap. <laughs> Borrow her back. And he was, he was like a kid he at Christmas. He did. He was like a kid at Christmas anticipating nah, what he did last night. I'll tell you what, when he started <laughs> when he started down. started that bullet and I was hovering over the eight second delay, I was thinking, do I need to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Keep that ready. Oh, You've got that ready for when we start labelling people. <laughs> Ted's, Ted's French was fantastic. My goodness, me, I was yeah. Is it that better than the Australian or not as good? <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was better good. than rice Chinese. Better than the Australian. That's good. <laughs> Supercomputer. Oh dear God! I still think you come from some sort today, of food Steve. court in hey. Beijing. Supercomputer, tell me where we want what we want to hear today. Supercomputer, that's what I want to hear. Let's oh, get some sports headlines. That's what we need. To and by, hear. Uh, by the way, Steve, you, you you have full permission to go and libel your way for in VAR today. I've got no problem with that whatsoever. <laughs> 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 oh, okay, then a bit of sports news coming up. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Ted, Rye, and Steve, the Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the the yep, so Newcastle getting into the uh, the national sports headlines as well, fellas. Shall we uh, yes. have a little? Shall we have a little listen to Eddie <laughs> after the game? Um, yeah, go on. Obviously, uh, the the first question he would be asked is, uh, "Do you feel uh, you've been hard done to?" Yes, um, really tough end to the game for us. Um, felt that the players deserve much more. Um, we're choose my words carefully really disappointed by the the penalty don't feel it's a penalty I feel it's um, the wrong decision in that moment in the game there's a few things I'll talk about it Um, the speed of which that ball comes up and ricochets and hits Tino first in the chest then in the arm and I feel his arms are in a natural position so I think it's um, I think it's the wrong decision well, can't get any clearer than that, can you? No, he's not going to... how he said, choose my words lightly. He's not going <laughs> yeah. um, to come out and have a pop. I mean, that's not Eddie Howe's style. You know, he handles himself with decorum after every game, win, lose, or draw. And, yeah, yeah it, it's open to... The problem, the problem is it's open to interpretation. Um, that referee's got a great reputation. Uh, you know, it was the right referee for a, for a big game like that. And... You know, it comes down to the VAR decision. Um, have they not flagged that up? The referee wouldn't have had to go and look at it. He, he would have just gone with his on-field decision, and that would have been that. But the pressure was mounting. There was, there was, you know, PSG were calling for everything last night. They were surrounding the referee on, on, you know, on multiple occasions. 
you know, the crowd were superb last night. They really made it an intimidating atmosphere. You couldn't hear the Newcastle fans until probably that last six or seven minutes. The Newcastle fans were singing all the way through the game, but the the, the PSG fans did such a great job um, last night of uh, intimidating and, 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 you know, supporting the team. So, you know, for me, you know, we've just got to get on with it. Um, like I said yesterday, the VAR decisions balance themselves out over the course of a season. And, it's not all over. Um, if Newcastle go out to the Champions League in a couple of weeks' time against AC Milan, it'll be more down to the fact that they didn't beat Dortmund, you know, at home. For me, they, they you know, they they lost Dortmund home and away, two two tight games. Um, Dortmund deserved to win both, but that's the reason Newcastle will have crashed out of the Champions League. But I, I've just got a feeling Newcastle will 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 get the result against AC Milan. It'll then be down to the. It'll then be down to the other game, and if Dortmund do the job and beat PSG, which they should do, um, then Newcastle will find themselves in the last sixteen, which will be a hell of achievement for the first time back in the Champions League. If not, um, they beat they beat Milan or draw against Milan, they find themselves in the Europa. Then, you know, the the European journey continues down a different path. But it's not doom and gloom for me. Um, you know, I I felt that Newcastle would get a point last night. They did, um, and I'm still convinced they'll beat Milan at home. Um, that's a grudge match, as we all know, because of what happened with Tonali. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there'll be a, a frosty atmosphere of some description in the boardroom at, at, at the very at the very least, because <laughs> you know that that is still you know a lot of unanswered questions, I guess, with, within the you know within the two football clubs about that particular thing. The, the conversation will surely come up, you would imagine. Um, but true. yeah. There will be a there will be a, an injustice certainly felt by the fans. Um, the players will probably feel that as well. It won't take a great deal of motivating, put it that way. And let's face it, Eddie Howe doesn't have to motivate this 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 set of players. It seems because he's got leaders in that dressing room, and even in that dressing room, when players are injured and they're out they're out for a sustained period, you always see them. They're always there. You know that they're, they're part of it. They're they're not allowed to go and sit at home and play on a PlayStation or or you know spend time with the family that they're there they're part of it they're sitting in the stand and then when you know we do those infamous dressing room photographs every single squad member is is there you know Dan Byrne Harvey Barnes you name it there unless they're away you know getting treatment that they're, they're part of it and that's what gives you that camaraderie and you know that's what makes us united and it's uh it's great to see but yeah look anyhow as expected uh, disappointed and um, you know choosing his words carefully but didn't expect anything else from the guy and he'll now he'd watch that back he'll have time he'd probably have watched it back at least once I would imagine now I mean he watched the Bournemouth game back five times in the last two weeks so he'll certainly watch last night's game and I think all he'll see is a team to be proud of and he'll now be focusing on Manchester United and, and hopefully you know making sure that nobody went off in was nobody went off injured last night hopefully no niggles and, and we can get everybody through into next week's game um, you know Saturday's game against Manchester United unscathed and hopefully one or two players another week closer to, towards returning to the first team squad yeah and if you want to see the full uh, interview with Eddie Howe after the game then nufc.co.uk is the place to be yeah I want to move on from the Newcastle game though this morning and uh, we always put our notes together we take turns doing it but I, I'm going to chuck one in from uh, wide left which has come up this morning and that's Steve Cooper um, who has told these Nottingham Forest players to stop swapping shirts with opposing players at, at half-time after Murillo was spotted doing so with fellow Brazilian Lucas Paqueta against West Ham. Um, it's a bugbear, this, I think, for a lot of people, swapping shirts. Um, and yeah. it tends to happen at the end of the game. Half-time, yeah. I've never seen it happen say, at half-time. Time. 
but at half time mm. is, is crazy. But swapping shirts, lads, and, and the banter. I mean, obviously, cameras are all over the, uh, you know, all over the game now. Premier League Championship, live games. We have tunnel access. We see, you know, we see the teams lining up. You see the players having a bit banter and a bit crack. You see some of them just looking straight forward. And, you know, uh, on, on occasions, you'll, you, you know, you see the referees having a bit laugh and carry on. How does, you know... Is it right that you should be swapping shirts? To, I mean, me personally, I I haven't got a problem with it. At the end of the game, I think if someone swaps your shirt, it's probably because you know one of their relatives is a you know is a is a fan of that particular player or team and they want it. I, I think before the game, seeing the players having a bit of crack and a bit of banter, um, some of them might have played with each other in in other teams. They may have they may have come across each other in international duty. They you know they, they they'll know each other. You can understand, but. I, I, I think I think when you're going into you know a competitive game against a team, you should be focused. And I think sometimes you're letting your guard down a little bit when you're having a bit of a chat with these players. But then the swapping a shirt at the end, I haven't got a problem with. If it was half time, I would have a big problem with it. And I also I also think when people are coming off the pitch at half time. If they're, if they're in conversation with somebody from the other side, I think it shows a lack of concentration. So I think there's a few different there's a few different angles to this, uh, um, and I, I understand Steve Cooper and where he's coming from because I think he must be thinking, well, that player's clearly not focused on the game if he's too busy, you know, talking about getting a shirt at the end of it. I think that's I think that's where he's coming from. But what's your thoughts, Ray? It's interesting that to to hear it happening at half time. I don't think. Obviously, since COVID and stuff like that, I think there's been a lot more sort of restrictions around that sort of stuff. And obviously, you know, we've sort of relaxed that now and the boys can obviously swap shirts and stuff like that. But at halftime, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think the boys have still got 45 minutes of football to play. And if you were a manager watching your player go up to a fellow, you know, national team member or whatever, you know, and and just, you know, shake his hand or whatever, then I wouldn't be problem with that. But if they're swapping shirts at halftime, it just sends the wrong sort of, you know, mental message for me. And I just think it just sort of, shows that he's not really got his head in the game if you if you so to speak so uh, you know I, I haven't got a problem with it like you said I, I think at the end of the at the end of the game you know shirt swapping is kind of you know is, is kind of you know awesome especially if you're a player you know of um you know that's close to retiring the amount of shirts you would have collected I know Tim Cahill one of the Aussie greats one of his uh proudest things is all the shirts that he collected through shirt swapping and he's got a big uh he's got a big room at his at his home now um, the Everton great of all the you know players he came up against and all the players shirt worn, um, you know shirts that he collected from swapping shirts. So you know some players get you know it's sort of like a collection thing, a sort of a memento from their playing days, and I and I get that. But at half time, that's a bit you know you know come on like you know you've still got forty five minutes to play, especially if you're losing or whatever like that. You know you just need to you need to wait till the end of the game when it's all done, said and done. You know if you've got a national another you know national player there or you know someone that you know or you're friends with from other club or whatever so but then you go up shake the hand say how's it going you know and, and what's happening but uh yeah ted i can't see it happening at half time i think that's a bit silly uh, picture the scene right there's a towering inferno and the police are attending and the fire brigade are attending oh, no. where are right? we going where yep. are we going <laughs> yeah yeah the the fireman is busy with the hose putting the fire out and there's a tap on his shoulder, and a policeman goes, "You're doing a great job. Do you want to swap helmets?" <laughs> no, mate. I'm, I'm I'm actually doing my job at the minute. Do you mind Do you mind just you know knocking off and going somewhere else? That 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 for me about it sums it up. What on earth are they doing swapping shirts at half time? I I don't <laughs> right. 
Even even mm. like some playing Sunday League, I didn't want to speak to the opposition. Even yeah. if I knew anybody nah, in the it. squad, I didn't want that's to speak to them. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally take the Gary Neville. Uh, there's a famous video when uh, Peter Schmeichel left Man United, and I think he was playing for for City, and he he went to the front of of the of the lineup to go into the uh, go into the stadium. Gary Neville was captain of Manchester United. Peter Schmeichel stuck his hand out to shake his hand in the tunnel. Gary Neville gave him a look that could kill a man and just completely <laughs> blanked him and didn't shake hands with him. That's what you want. I'm sorry, but you, you're at work. You, you, you're you going into battle, essentially. You know, it's, yeah. it's one yeah. squad against another squad. Nah, I'm not having that. Swapping shirts in, in what, in league games? Are you having a laugh? Like, mm. maybe it's like a, yeah. a, a FA Cup final or a World Cup final, a, a special occasion, but not just because, you know, Oh, you know, there's Billy from Sao Paulo. I'm going to swap shirts with him because I know his family. It's it's pathetic. <laughs> it's absolutely pathetic. Get on with the game. It it does make me think though when we're in the studio all live together, lads. That halfway through the morning show we should swap shirts though. Just as a bit of a oh, sort of God. you know remember. Hey, we that that we, we that did that one yeah. Saturday. If you remember the WhatsApp group <laughs> that we don't talk about. I we didn't. Talk about no, you bottled it. <laughs> Steve didn't. Steve didn't. His agent's listening. He didn't. He didn't do it. There was no right nothing uh, to see uh, of Steve apart from a, a well groomed head. Uh, but Ted and I, are you going to get our kid off? Don't you worry about that. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, hold your Aussie horses. Back it up. Ted, Back it up. Ted and I. <laughs> I didn't want to dob you in. I didn't what know what the, you wanted what to reveal to the listeners. What about the two Ds? Oh, the. Double D's. Double D's. Double D's. Double D's. Double D's. It was a fantastic <laughs> sight. It was oh, Dave Daz. Dave Daz and the sound man, I tell you, getting their kid off quite quickly. It was I'm, incredible. I'm so, telling you, I've got a better idea. <laughs> it was awesome. I've got a better idea. Uh, I think uh, one of these shows over the next few weeks, it's got to be Christmas Jumper Show. We've all got to do the show wedding Whoa, at Christmas Jumper. The ugly sweater. And we've got, to swap, we've got to swap photographs. We've got to do it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no, I love that. For that. We'll do, yeah, we'll book that in for, for the Christmas show. I think the ugly sweater. I've got a great Middlesbrough one actually. I've got. I don't know if it fits me anymore though. But uh, old, old Ted's Christmas cake is catching <laughs> up with me at my age. You but, don't wear the clothes uh, fit you anymore. <laughs> that is a, that is a well known trait <laughs> in the Roberts household. I thought you were going to. Uh, I thought you were going to body shame me there after the video. I said <laughs> no, <laughs> mate, no. That so, Christmas cake, mate, looking mighty fun. Sin bins, lads. Latest. Uh, oh, latest for taking latest, our tops off. Yes, in yeah, the come on, off, definitely. All right. Um, this is this is crazy. Um, are they a good idea? Because this is something that's being talked about at the highest level. Um, that that they're desperately trying to find something which which will bail VAR out. Which you know, instead of our suggestion, Radio Dad's suggestion, yep. burning into the stake, which I think is probably a better idea. They're now trying to find other daft rules and regulations to bring in just to, just to further extend the game so that we're all sitting there for three hours uh, mm. like Americans do when they're watching uh, their baseball games and American football games. So Paul Merson had his say yesterday, um, always has an opinion, Paul, of course. He said, you put someone in a sin bin in football for 10 minutes, you're killing the game. You get 10 players sitting behind the ball the whole time. It'll be the most boring football ever. It's an absolute waste of time, a waste of time he wasn't happy so i agree with him sin bins not the way forward i think this really is it's we're stepping further and further towards the americanization of the game if this comes in um you know and and, and like ted said yesterday we'll be having ad breaks with with var decisions next 
it's almost as if we're, we're, we're sleepwalking into this and we don't yeah. even realise it. We as supporters do because we're on the front line. We're the ones watching the game. And it's starting to, it's starting to you know, impact on the game with more injuries with, with teams, with, with longer games. I mean, eight minutes of injury time in the Champions League game last night. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to see more injuries because there's more minutes on the pitch, more time being played. And, and sin bins... Oh, I, I, where on earth to come up with these ideas and suggestions for? And, and and again, you just know that if they do bring it in and trial it, which it looks as if they're going to at the top level, then you know you're going to have you're going to have situations which which are going to affect games and people aren't going to be happy about it. It's it's. I just think it's a bad idea. I, I agree wholeheartedly with Paul Merson here, um, Ted. I think that this this is a waste of time, and, and I, I, you know, but unfortunately, we don't have a say. It'll happen whether we like it or not. I, I'm going to shock you. I'm going to shock you. Oh. I can't agree with Paul Merson oh, anyway because I can't stand him. He's oh, a God. perk. Anyway, in my opinion, not not the opinion of the show or the radio station, Dave. <laughs> Mate, um, opinions are I, fine. I, I've, I've put the food <laughs> gone into everybody, haven't I? <laughs> not me. <laughs> I say whatever it's, I want. It's the, it's the sinister WhatsApp group. Um, I, I think there are stages in the game where this might work, right? And and hear me out dun, on it. Dun, dun. I think uh, it cut could. to the news. It cut could. him off. <laughs> it could be used to stamp out some of the petulant behaviour, like Rye. Um, things like, right, okay, kicking the ball away on free kicks is one of the things that annoys me the most. And the referees started dealing with it earlier on this season by, you know, like sort of awarding yellow cards and things like that. But as ever with referees, they lose interest in new rules and they move on to something else. But so kicking a ball away or carrying the ball away from a free kick, deliberately delaying the game. Send someone to the sin bin for 10 minutes. Other, other, other ways as well, dissent. If, now, for me, removing somebody out of the game for, for back-chatting the referee completely, like what happened with Dan Neil, very, very unfairly against Borough, where they should never have won 4-0, it was a joke. Um, <laughs> just before Rye gets in there. If Dan Neil had been sent to the sin the bin for 10 minutes... You, you don't lose the whole integrity of the game, but you punish a side and go like, right, that, that's unacceptable behaviour. So there are there are certain stages in the game where I think where sending someone off or a yellow card is maybe a little too heavy, but let's still punish the side. But it's there. Another one, diving. Diving. If you find somebody who dives, just knock, bring him off the pitch for 10 minutes let this team struggle I'll tell you what if, if that happens regularly and you're getting certain, somebody's getting removed out of the game for 10 minutes on a regular basis the manager's going to go you've got to clean your game up mate so there are there are actual certain certain ways where I think it could help but that's all taken now care you, of. Now I'm thrown off the show. That's all. No, no, no I'm not that bad um, <laughs> but that's already taken care of in the laws of the game you know, delaying the restart of play is a yellow card offence. Simulation well, is a yellow card offence. Descent is a yellow card offence. Exactly, exactly. We but, don't need but then it. Isn't it just a case of thing? Isn't it just a so? So are we saying? Are we saying? I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to. Be, I'm not trying to be clever here. I'm trying to understand. Are we saying that as the laws stand with these yellow card offences? Are they are they too harsh for referees to impose uh, or apply because it has too much of an impact on the game, or are we saying 
And if so, are we saying we need an alternative? Or, are we, or should we be saying the referees need a pair of balls and uh, they need to apply the laws of the game as as are written down and fans are just going to have to get used to seeing lots of yellow cards? They're saying this, what they're saying is that the whole team needs to be punished now for one person's indiscretion. In in the case yeah. of Dan Neal, so obviously Dan Neal, you know what I mean? He he obviously he might have said something, whether it's you know, and but you know whether it was. There's laws in place now for yellow cards and red cards that that have been working for years and years on end. Now you want to punish the whole team by taking them down to ten men for however long because of one man's indiscretion, because one man who is the Roy Keane of the team, decided to kick the ball away. One bloke decided to say, who's had a bad day with the ref, has told him to, you know, you know, Go whatever forth. he said under his breath. You know what I mean? And, and now you want to punish the whole team by bringing them down to 10 men just for 10, 15 minutes. And then what happens to that player? They go and cool down. What about they come back out and then pull a hamstring because they've cooled down. And, and you know, you we're worried about injuries and the length of games and stuff like that. And now we've got players that are going sitting down for 10, 15 minutes, whatever it may be, in, in, in a box, you know, where the naughty box, I don't know, which is brought to you by Gatorade or something like that. It's it's ridiculous. Like, it, it, it oh, ruins the I game. We'll do it again, though. I can see it now. We're going to do it again. We'll have Sinbin Cam. Yeah, yes, we'll, 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 we'll be a camera on the planet. We will, brought to you by Gatorade. And we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll need a referee, two assistant referees, a fourth official. <laughs> we'll, need, we'll need a Sinbin ref. Then we'll need yeah. VAR on the sin bin mm -hmm. to see how he's behaved himself and there could be further punishment. Oh, I like the sound of this. Yeah. You know it's what I, I reckon <laughs> that the answer is? It's, it's ridiculous. Do you know what I'd look at before we go down that route? Is putting a second umpire out on the pitch. I, I, I don't... I mean, we've got two linesmen and one on-field umpire. Why not have two on-field umpires and two linesmen? We've got a fourth you know I mean? official, man. Uh, I mean, we've already got a fourth yeah, official. But, I mean, we're uh, going to have, we're gonna have, have a separate team... You'll have to have a separate team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just... Bring I on the clowns! You know what I mean? It's just... Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> you can't do it. It's... Don't... Nah. Yeah, honestly, oh, like, this no. is becoming. This is becoming. Why are they making the beautiful game so complicated? Well, I they're don't making, know why they're, they're changing American it. football. Next referees yes. will have little little yellow coloured rags in the back pocket that they have to throw on the ground at some point. You know, that's what's going to happen. Is dissent becoming that much of an issue that they need to address it though? I mean, are we, is, it, is it because we're seeing more dissent than ever? Because I'd argue that we're seeing less dissent than you know the Roy Keane era. You know what I mean? I well, can't imagine where, what those lads were saying to referees. But this is what this is. The, this is another topic I was going to chuck in today, cause, and it, it ties in nicely. Lewis Dunk became the first player in yeah, fifteen exactly. years to be sent off for dissent. So why is why why Dave are referees not not following the rules of the game? Why aren't they sending people off for dissent? Don't be, tell me it has. Don't tell saying, me it hasn't happened. I'm, I, I, look, I keep saying you can't be sent off for dissent. If it's a straight red card, it has to be offensive, insulting, uh, abusive language. Um, which you know directed at you, or uh, isn't that just a flavour of dissent, though? No, no, no. It's one step. Fifteen years, not one player has said anything. Have. Of course, they have. Someone yeah, somewhere in the say. reporting of this has got it wrong. They're yeah, still nah, hanging. Completely. They're still hanging the story on. He's been sent off for dissent. He hasn't. Well, look. If it was a second yellow card, he's been given a second yellow card for dissent, which obviously two yellows equals red. Lots of that's happened. If it's a straight red card, it can't be dissent because the laws of the game, dissent is only a yellow card offence. But what is a red card offence is offensive, insulting and abusive language. That's what used to be called foul and abusive. 
You know, that is a straight red card. And players have been sent off for that. So I think the reporting of this has got it wrong. And 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 the story's been hung on the wrong hook. So nah. Um he's called him a he's called him a bald bee or something like that. That's what he's called him after he's picked up the yellow card. So then I've never, it, seen, a, terrible, I've never seen a bald bee. There you go, mate. Yeah, it suffered from alopecia when it came out of the uh, the the pupae <laughs> or whatever it comes out of. Um, yeah, no, that's what's happened. He's got the yellow card. Then he's then he's just turned around and he's 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 had a real go at the ref. Uh, probably not loudly, but loud enough so the referee could hear it. And um, you know, if he's used the word cheat or he's used something that's offensive to the referee, it's a straight red card offence, and that's what he went for. So the second half of the show we'll be discussing do bees come from pupas? That's it. Lava, <laughs> pupas, <laughs> eggs, boom. Who knows? อ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่าอ่า
and cracking an egg in his bath. Have you heard that one? I saw it. Oh, I actually goodness. saw it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. <laughs> hey, Bob Mortimer comes up with the story on Would I Lie to You? If you haven't seen it, jump on YouTube. It's one of the hilarious, most hilarious things. And Bob Mortimer <laughs> makes a story up of the time that they were recording the Middlesbrough jingle together with Chris, even Chris Rear. And he said, oh, now that we're done, Bob, I've, I've run a bath for you and I popped an egg in it for you. <laughs> and he went on this big story rant. How Chris Reed would pop eggs in his bath because it and helped with his skin. Him. And they believed <laughs> and they him. Believed, they <laughs> believed it was true. <laughs> it was so good. There's probably oh, only Bob Mortimer could uh, could spin a yarn yeah, like that yeah, and bring it to Bob Gregory and yeah. make it sound believable. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, fellas, uh, to, to get on the more mundane matters, I thought what I'd do is I'd, I'd do a bit of educating this morning. So, oh. the sending off offences. Here we go. This is what I was saying about... You know, uh, Dunk being the first player to be sent off for dissent in 30 years. So this is straight out of IFAM's laws of the game, right? A player, substitute, or substituted player who commits any of the following offences is sent off. So that's pretty black and white. That's as black and white as a Newcastle shirt, that one, unless it's an away shirt. So here they are. Denying the opposing team a goal or an obvious goal-scoring opportunity by a handball offence, except for the goalkeeper when they're inside their own penalty area. Denying a goal or obvious goal-scoring opportunity to an opponent whose overall movement is towards the offender's goal by an offence punishable by a a free kick, unless outlined below, and that's the triple uh, triple punishment uh, thing that they took out where if you're genuinely making an attempt to challenge inside the penalty area, you bring the player down. Then you don't get sent off, you get a yellow card. Serious foul play. Serious foul play is where you've done somebody in a challenge for the ball and you've you've gone over the top of the ball. Uh, biting or spitting at somebody is a red card offence. Must be sent off. Violent conduct, that's when you've done somebody without the ball being there. Elbow to the face, punch, whatever. Using offensive, insulting or abusive language and or actions. Now that's what Dunk was sent off for. Receiving a second second yellow card, second caution in the same match. And entering the video operation room. That's where the VAR guys can be. So they're the only reasons you can be sent off, shown a red card and sent off. Dissent isn't in there. Dissent's a yellow card offence. So... There you go. I mean, so what... So we're in Dunk's case. Yeah. He's obviously said... Something extraordinary. So it's one of two or he's things. Threatened him, yeah, with, with his hands. Or well, sort of it's thing. one of like two things. Or something. He might have. He, he, I, I don't think this one will have. Out of the two options, I don't think this one will have happened. Where the ref, he said he's, he's he's chirped at the referee. He's been shown a yellow card for dissent, uh, but the uh, uh, and then he's got. Sorry, he's got the yellow card. The first yellow card. He's chirped at yeah, the referee, yeah. and the referee's just pulled out the red uh, without showing yeah. the second yellow. So the referee's made a mistake. So the referee yeah, meant yeah. to pull out the second yellow and then show him the red. I don't think that'll have happened. I mean, it's you just don't do that as a referee. You know, it's, it's Can you show a straight red for an for an issue that if you've already been yellow carded? Yeah, yeah of course you can. Of course you can. Yeah. So, 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 so if I'm on a yellow and then I, I go up to you and say, you know, the most outrageous stuff or I've absolutely broken old mate's leg, 
can I then be shown a straight red even though I'm on a yellow yep. and then get the full whack yeah. of being the of yeah. being yep. shown a straight red? So you come out of that okay. game with another caution against your total uh, total number of cautions, yeah. plus, which counts towards a suspension at red. some point. Plus also you'll get yeah. the suspension for the straight red. Yeah, okay, cool. That's so so what's, li- what's likely to have happened? Dunk has said something far worse than dissent. You yeah, know, yeah. Dissent yeah. is is dissent is nothing more than oh, what would it be? I mean, it's even it's even difficult to explain because one action on its own wouldn't account for a yellow card. It's normally a build up, and you've been at the referee for a while, or somebody's come up to you and they've and and they've said, you know, that's uh, oh god, it's it's going to sound awful. This, but that's yeah. Let me let me do it by the book. So that is a player coming up and gesturing wildly and going, "That's a crap decision, mm. referee. You you know you're having an absolute nightmare." Bang, 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 undermining the referee's authority. That is dissent. Yeah. Mm. What's yeah. offensive, Actually, insulting, and abusive is the language you use, the gesture, hand gestures you use, all the that. It's got It's really it, yeah. bad, and we can't even go into some examples on the radio. That's what. Mm. That's what. Offensive, and and it could be as simple as you bald whatever the swear word is yeah. that comes out because he's directly having bald? a go. Well, because it was Anthony Taylor that was involved. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like he's having a dig. Because Steve. the referee, because the referee uh, had certain characteristics of Steve Wraith. Put it that way. Uh, eee, that's libel. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true, and I can prove it. He had a solar panel for a sex machine, mate. That's what I'm it is. Follically challenged. <laughs> Actually, so that's did, a different thing. You noticed last right. night. <laughs> just, just to back that up as well, Dave. Last night, when um, obviously it was before the VAR was was consulted for the the Paris Saint Germain penalty, but the referee was immediately surrounded by PSG players. And one of them actually did get shown a yellow card because it was kind of, why Correct. haven't you made the decision? And that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, to give him his credit, he was actually trying to uh, uphold the laws yeah. of the game at and, that point. And do you he remember, had a great game. He's a good yeah. referee. He's a good referee. I just think it's he's, he's fallen for the same trap, which is, let's have a look at this in slow motion. Let's let's yeah. let's, let's go to the screen, as my mates have told me I've made a mistake. You know, the, so angle already... got, the angle that he got shown, if that was the angle that was shown constantly on TV, was from behind, so it looked more incriminating. Yeah. The, the angle from behind the goal, which which was superb, showed exactly what happened. And I guess what Eddie House trying to say is, you know, he, he his, his hand was in a natural position, so you know his arm was in a natural position and it bounced off his body onto his hand. If it had bounced onto his hand straight away, no, no, no question, letter of the law, penalty. But that's where the that's I mean, where they, the problem lies. They did tighten the handball um, requirements down quite a bit. Um, was it last summer? Uh, or was it the summer before? I think it was last summer. So there's every chance that if a ball strikes an arm, it's going to be given as a handball. But you've got, there are still those mitigating circumstances where, you know, if you're really close to it, if the ball's pinged at you at speed, if it bounces, ricochets off your body on the arm, you know, there are still those to take into account. Um, it wasn't, in my eyes, it wasn't. It wasn't a pen. The lunacy of this out to you, lads. Jeff Winter. What's Jeff Winter, the good right. friend of the show, obviously we had him on just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he had his say on it. But he's just—he's obviously—he's just tweeted out literally about ten minutes ago, and he said this obviously on the the result last night for Newcastle. Obviously, Jeff Winter, former referee, a Borough fan as well. He said, yeah. "Yeah, he said twenty years ago, I warned, be careful what you wish for. I was in the media, and everyone asked me when pundits were crying out for technology. I was the first one to say, careful what you wish for.'" 
The continuous nature of a football match does not benefit from prolonged stoppages. It's now farcical and ruining the enjoyment of football. So that's Jeff Winter there saying. Jeff, <laughs> well done, son. <laughs> Jeff. Well done, son. Join the Burn yeah. It at the Stake campaign. Come on, mm. Jeff. <laughs> the other thing as well, though, that we haven't touched on is the fact that we have a different law for UEFA games compared to Premier League games. Isn't that a little ridiculous? Can I be? Can I? Can, can I? Oh no! I'm going to sound like a real radio. If I'm, dad. Not, if I'm wrong, it's not a different. It's not a different Radio Dad's going to just send <laughs> Ted. A, it's a different understanding. It's a different application um, because UEFA will will do. It, this happens all the time. You go to a World Cup and the guys behind the referees at the World Cup before the first game starts will say, "Right, this is what we're going to clamp down on this World Cup." You know, time wasting, whatever it is, foul throws, it could be anything, diving, simulation. And you see what happens is extra emphasis is put on for that competition, for those things, those ills of the game that they want to clamp down on. And you'll see the first couple of games where the referees clamp down on it, it makes a complete farce of it, and then they change their mind. Um, and this is yeah. what happens in different competitions. So UEFA will have specific applications that they want. You know, it's the same law. It's just that understanding and that application of it that changes. The Premier League will do things. You know, the, the Premier League will want to, like VAR, how many times prior to all this farce did we see referees get called over to the screen? Very few. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden we had the farce mm -hmm. and everybody's going, why isn't it the same as like we see in Europe? And then the referees start getting called more frequently to the screen. So it's just different. Diff it's what, the, what the, uh, the, the governing body of that competition wants. Right. I mean, Absolutely. look. At the end of the day, the referee can cheer, you know, the referee can stick to his original on-field you know, mm. yeah, decision. Agreed. Yeah. And he could have. Yeah. I, I'd he love could. to know the ang I'd love to know what angles he got. Um, you know, last night of that of that penalty before he made that that final call, because ultimately that really that really should have you know that should have made him look at it in a different mindset. He should have looked at that and gone, actually, you know, that's original decision was correct. Yeah, you should. From my point of view, but, from my point of view, I'm going to change it. And this is the weakness mm -hmm. of VAR, and I've been saying it since day one. The weakness of VAR is psychological in the referee's mind. The moment he yeah. gets asked to review one of his decisions, he automatically thinks he's made a mistake, so he goes across and looks for where that mistake happened. And when you're slowing yeah. things down, when, you, when you're having stills of challenges presented, that is complete, a completely different reflection of the challenge that's been made, or in, in, in Tino Livramento's case, that the suspected handball, and the referee's looking to give it because he thinks he's made a mistake. And that's what's wrong fundamentally with VAR. It's twisting the, the, the decision-making process in the referee's mind because somebody said, oh, that decision you've made, mate, you want to go and have a look at it? He automatically thinks he's done something wrong. Yeah. 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 And then he's second-guessing himself. So, yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. So, so just quickly wanted to jump in and, and change the subject just very quickly. It's just a short little moment from me, but I just wanted to talk quickly about Izzy Jones. Izzy Jones last night for Borough scoring two goals. But the big thing for me about Izzy Jones was last season, uh, Izzy Jones missed a lot of football. Uh, we found out in the off season that it was due to his mental health and that he had was uh, having some troubles off the pitch and he went into a real dark place. Last night, Izzy Jones gave an interview and he said this, I respect and love the fans. Without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. When you come out of a dark place like I have done and the fans have your back, it means so much. Hopefully I'm repaying the favor on the pitch. That was what Izzy Jones said to reporters after the match. Uh, I just wanted to just reiterate to, 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 to the Borough fans and, and then just to everyone in general that 
as fans and to, towards Izzy as well, you don't owe us anything. And I'm just so happy now that Izzy's in a better place and enjoying his football. And as simple as that, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to think that he feels that he owes us as a fan base or as a club or to anyone that's out there going through mental health stuff as a footballer that they need to repay, you know, the fans for time missed or time away with mental health issues or whatever like that. We're seeing it obviously with players left, right and centre now having breaks from football or or, or not, you know, not performing to where they, they're expected to. Uh, and it's being put down to mental health. Now, if you are going through that, obviously, you know, seek help, do, do what you need to do. But please don't ever think you need to repay uh, the fans for anything. You never owe us anything. And uh, just in Izzy Jones's case, just first and foremost, I, Izzy, I absolutely love you. Uh, and I'm just so happy that you're now in a better place and that you're enjoying your football. And uh, last night, mate, was a credit to you and all the hard work you've put in. Uh, to come away with two goals, almost had a hat trick as well at such a young age, mate. It's good just to see you back and enjoying your football. That's all I wanted to say, lads. Yep, well said, Roy. Good, good stuff, yeah. Fully agree with that. Uh, 22 minutes past eight. Let's have some club headlines, lads. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Tony Mowbray has taken ill with a chest infection, but Mark Venus hopes the head coach is well enough to be in the dugout for tonight's game against Huddersfield Town. Venus, who stepped in for Mowbray at Tuesday afternoon's press conference, insists the team's preparation for tonight's game won't be impacted by the head coach's absence, and the hope is Mowbray will be back fighting fit to lead the Black Cats for the visit of the Terriers. We're hoping he'll be back and able to take charge tomorrow, said Venus. He's got a chest infection, but I think he'll be there. We obviously need him. We know how he wants to work and what he wants, so it hasn't impacted us in terms of the build-up and the preparation too much. If he's not there, it won't be for the want of trying, but we're hopeful. Get well soon, Mogo. Hope you're there. Former PSG starlet Adil Aushish could be in line to make his first Sunderland start tonight. With Mark Venus admitting the playmaker has made everyone take notice with his cameos from the bench. Aushish was a goal-scoring substitute in the win over Birmingham City before the international break and was introduced after just 45 minutes at Plymouth at the weekend as Tony Mowbray looked for a way back into the game. The 21-year-old couldn't spark a comeback at home park, but Sunderland's coaches have been hugely impressed by the attacker in training and games, with Venus admitting he's settled better than any of the other summer signings. Venus said, he influences the team when he's on the pitch. He's a talented individual. He's important to us, you can see that. He's getting stronger and better, as you can see from watching the games. I think all of the, out of all the players we brought in over the summer, I think he's the one who seems to have settled in the quickest. He's a very talented boy. His performances from the bench, I think he's made everyone take notice. I think you have to take notice of him, rightly too. Huddersfield Town boss Darren Moore has been speaking ahead of the trip to Sunderland and revealed the latest injury news. Ahead of the game, Moore revealed he has a number of players he will be assessing on Wednesday ahead of the stadium-like clash. Moore said... With the game being Wednesday night, it gives us an extra 24 hours, so we're giving all the players an assessment tomorrow. But Kean Harrod won't be available, he's got a muscular injury. David Kasumu and Delano Bergzorg, oh that's a beauty, came through the other day with no issues and should be able to be involved, but can't 100% say for certain. And that's your headlines done. Smoggies and Proud, Borough News. fans what an incredible performance it was and i'm starting off the headlines 
What the fact? Mind the gap, the burrow and back. Oh, baby, I came up with that one all by myself, I did. Middlesbrough will be hoping for improved fortunes, though, on the injury front as they await to discover the extent of injuries suffered to key duo Dale Fryer and Hayden Hackney. The pair missed Burrow's 4-0 victory over Preston North End on Tuesday evening after both feeling tweaks late in Saturday's defeat to Bristol City. Added to the already confirmed absence of Lucas Engel for the game, it meant Burrow were without eight senior players for the game. But proving their strength in depth, the Borough players overcame the challenge with flying colours as they did and climbed to ninth in the championship table with an emphatic win. Looking ahead to now the tough trip at Leeds on the weekend, Carrick is now hoping the duo's injuries don't prove to be too serious. And it may have equaled Middlesbrough's biggest win of the season, but Michael Carrick didn't agree that the 4-0 victory over Preston was their best win of the season. Asked, uh, asked that very question, Carrick said, I don't think it was our best performance, to be honest. I think we played very well in spells, but it probably sums up football because I think overall performance-wise, we've probably played better in other games. And there were player ratings of 8 out of 10 for most of the Borough players last night. But the most exploding moments for me and for most of the Borough fans were the return for Matt Clark, who's missed 13 months of football through a serious back injury, and a young debut for Law McCabe with the best name in the world, 17-year-old midfielder coming on late in the second half, showing that no matter the injuries, our academy is never to be forgotten as one of the best. Born in Middlesbrough, Law has been involved in the academy since he was under, he was, he was since the under nines and developed developing into a technical midfielder. His debut last night capped an impressive year that Law has had. Congratulations to the McCabe family and Borough fans. What the fact? Mind the gap, the Borough are back. That is your news headlines. Magpies and Proud, Mag's News. Good morning, Newcastle United fans. Newcastle drew 1-1 in the Parc de France last night with a gritty performance and were robbed of a deserved Champions League win over PSG. A controversial penalty and injury time scored by Kylian Mbappe cancelled out Alexander Izak's first half goal. The Magpies, though, could still go through to the group stages in two weeks' time when they beat AC Milan at St James's Park. Come on, lads. Uh, the under-19s did win their game against PSG in the UEFA Youth League with goals from Bailey and Emerson uh, winning that game 2-1. And Mirda Gadusi uh, responded to criticism from fans yesterday on his ex-account. The club director had said that the players needed more from the crowd moving forward. Uh, he replied yesterday saying, Often our intentions and words don't align perfectly. I believe most of you know how deeply I am committed to this club. My heart beats in black and white and my love for the club and all of you is unwavering. We stand united, here's to us and our journey together. How are the lads? And I think that puts that perfectly to bed. That's your Newcastle United headlines this Wednesday morning. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North East, the roads, the cat and the town. Told you he would. Told you he'd respond. <laughs> told, he you did. He'd, told you he'd say, I didn't quite come across right. Yeah, he did well. He did well. Took I'm, his time. I'm sitting back moment. with a big fat cigar and a glass of red. That's me done. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Women's Super League now, lads, before we uh, we, we have the, the, the sports headlines. Just quickly on this. Um, the Women's Super League and the Championship are preparing to break free from the Football Association after the two top tiers <laughs> unanimously agreed to be governed by a new independent 
independent body from next season. Do you think this paves the way for uh, a Super League with the men's? We've talked about it, you know, potential ongoing cases with Manchester City and Chelsea, 10 points off Everton, maybe Spurs, you know, getting looked at for a, a you know, a deal which was done many, I think many so. years I'm, ago. Um, you know, are we are we paving the way? Are we paving the way for a Super League with the men still? Is that you know is is that still going to happen? Because the women's game is something we haven't spoken a great deal about over the last few months on this show. But um, lots of stuff going around in the media yesterday. You know, some of the the, the hierarchy in the women's game complaining that, and, and some of the players complaining that during international breaks, that's when women's games should be highlighted and maybe played, and they don't get enough air time, they don't get enough promotion. Um, you know that it's it's still looked upon as you know is irrelevant really in in some circles, uh, but now they're talking about breaking away from the FA and creating their own league. So it's an interesting development. This I think because you mm-hmm. know the the question mark will be around the men's game as well. Yeah, definitely. It does it does pose that that very question is that the men have been looking at this. We spoke about it just yesterday or the day before about the big teams in, you know from the Premier League leaving and what would that mean for the Premier League and if we watch it and. You know, Steve, you said you'd probably go fo- focus on you know non-league football. The women's game, I feel like, is just getting to that point now where um, you know we're starting to take notice of it as a nation, as 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 you know, as football uh, lovers. You know, we're starting to you know, I love watching the Middlesbrough women and seeing their highlights and stuff like that. So it's only just in its sort of uh, new early days for me. So for them to now want to go and break away from what I think is just starting to be successful is just seems an ill-timed move, but. You know, I, I I don't understand as you know as a not, neither a club owner nor you know a, a, anyone with the, involved with the game how you know how the FA could be you know disrespecting or whatever it may be you know and they, they, they've obviously got their reasons and I don't know and haven't delved too much into it to to come up with a business plan on why I, I just think for me in terms of the the media and the traction we've just seen the best female World Cup obviously made by the the silly moment at the end of it but. You know, I just thought that was one of the best female World Cups we've ever seen. Obviously, Australia, England, both having good runs. Um, and then I just thought, you know, the the women's game was going to another level. We've seen Sam Kirk, you know, continually, you know, killing it for for Chelsea in the Women's Premier League. And, you know, and, and that sort of still just taking shape. And we've got Middlesbrough now who've just signed their women's team. Now we've they're officially the women's, you know, Middlesbrough team. They've always been around, but Middlesbrough now... You know, they come under that that branch and it's great because now Middlesbrough fans get to see, you know, the women's team and it's connected through, you know, the social media and stuff. So for me, it's, it's it feels ill-timed for them to break away. But again, I I, it, it, I just don't know the, the behind the scenes enough. Uh, and maybe we need to get Andy Campbell on again just to chat to him, obviously the ex-Middlesbrough coach uh, of the women's team, just to, to, just to go through that because... You know, maybe it is a better thing for their game, but I just think that for me, it's ill-timed, Ted. Yeah, um, commercially, it's. I mean, it, it is growing massively. You're perfectly right in what you're saying, Rye. It's it's a arguably one of the fastest growing spectator sports around, um, and that's that's with a lot of effort gone into marketing this correctly and all that kind of thing. Um, I think moving away from it now. Would be yeah potentially catastrophic. It actually could turn around and, and, and bite them on the backside and really backfire on them in a big way. Um, I think they need to still still like sort of go through this incubation stage of of promoting it and, and obviously you know like what Middlesbrough have done, like like what what you know the Northeast teams do in general is is you know take those those women's teams in as as part of the club. 
you know, and 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 promoted as such as well. I I I love to see the way that that Sunderland promote this. Sunderland, their, their news stories are always a mix on the website, the, you know, the official club website. It's always a mix of the under-18 action, the women's action, the, the, the first-team action. And, and that's what I love. I, I love anything red and white. I, I don't care what I'm watching, as long as it's Sunderland and Sunderland are winning. That's, that's, that's what I want to see. Yeah. So I think potentially segregating that again... And it could put women's football actually back out in the cold. So it could, I agree. in sense, have a detrimental effect. Yeah, I agree, Ted. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right because, you know, they've, they've worked so hard. I mean, Newcastle United's women's team was was insignificant under Mike Ashley. Um, you know, they had to buy their own strips. They, you know, they didn't have yeah. didn't have access yeah, to the, exactly. the training ground. They were part timers. They weren't professionals. So, you know, we we've, we've made some great strides forward under the you know in the last two years under the uh, under the owners that we've got now, and to the point where you know the the women's team has played at St James's Park on a few occasions now with crowds of over twenty thousand attending, which is which is fantastic. Um, and as they climb higher, you know, up the up the pyramid, they you know they I'm sure they'll get bigger bigger crowds again. I. I can see the day when there'll be fifty-two thousand at St James's Park for a women's game. I certainly think, you know, if they get into the or when they get into the the top tier, that that'll be the case. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think this could be a backward step. I mean, the only reason that they're going to be doing this is because they're feeling that they're not getting the support that they need from the FA. You know, that they feel that they're not being. You know, I've I've seen various interviews with women from different football clubs who feel that you know the the pay structure is wrong. They're not getting paid what they should be getting paid. They're not getting the exposure that they should be getting. Um, and you know, you know, it's it's equal rights. I think that the you know that that you know that a lot of a lot of women would like. I think, I think we're away off that. Um, but you know, I yeah. think gradually they're making their way forward. And I just think they just need. They just need to. They just need to look at their options. Um, maybe it's a maybe it's a threat. Maybe it's a threat to the FA. And maybe the FA will get the house in order. You know, we know that they're not. You know that they're not really quick on acting on things until maybe they're faced with it. The FA at times. So, you know, maybe that maybe they will have an about turn, and maybe this is just an idle threat, and you know they get it sorted. But I hope they do. I, I mean, I've been to one or two of the uh, the games with the women. I mean, I go back. I go back to the nineties and Cowgate Kestrels, which 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 is where Newcastle United's women's team actually started. And I remember doing yeah. one of those local TV programs in the studio. I think it was probably must have been around about ninety one, ninety two. And I was sitting with the with with the woman there, and she it shows you how far we've come forward because the woman in the in the crowd, you know, was almost laughed at and smirked at by people in the audience. You know, <laughs> women playing football. You know, it was like that kind of attitude. But credit to yeah. them, those people those people have gone from from you know Cowgate Kestrels to. James's Park in in thirty years and and I I you know I'm I'm on that program saying that I think that the women's game will improve it will get that opportunity and they'll take time but they will get there and you know I was right um and and you know I'm 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 so pleased that they have and I'm so pleased that you know Newcastle's owners have have embraced the women's team Amanda Stavely puts a you know puts a lot of time and effort into it on on her behalf and you know it, it's great it's great to see but yeah sad, sad, you know I hope they get that sorted out. The FA need to, the, the FA need to act. They need to sit round a table, have a discussion, find some middle ground, and get that sorted. And and you know our our you know nightmares of a super league development. And I don't think have gone away. There are still teams keen on doing it. And I think a lot will depend on 
you know potential punishments if found guilty that are handed out to to any team you know there's some of these so-called big six that that were um do come a cropper and do get relegated or or points deducted which which means they drop down a division um then you know we may see the the, the emergence of that they may feel well you know we've got no yeah, lose here let's go off and join let's go and join a super league let's form a super league so it'll be interesting to see it's all hypothetical at the minute we don't know what's going on with with those cases but yeah we we will uh, we will wait and see, but we are well over half past eight. Let's have some sport headlines and, a, and an ad or two to keep the uh, to keep the home fires burning. Radio Dad, Ted, Rye, and Steve, the Northeast Footy Breakfast. You know what, fellas? You know that um, uh, I keep saying Facebook group, don't I? And they all keep laughing at me. That WhatsApp group that we don't talk about. Uh, Ted's blowing yep, his own yep. trumpet on there. It's fantastic. He literally is. Right. Yeah. yeah, this was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. way to wake me up. Can, yep. can we please oh, yeah. clarify what that means? <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then complained. But then complained because we hadn't reacted to it. I mean, come hey. on. Yes. What's, I loved it. I thought it was the best. Well, right, He's right, got no always shirt reacts. on blowing his own trumpet first thing in the morning. It's incredible. Should we? Should we uh, do we have permission to put it on air? Of course you can. Yeah, do it. Okay, yeah, get him on there. You really? talk. You talk about something, and I'll I'll do okay. the technicals. <laughs> well, what I want to do, what I want to do, is bring something up that I, I meant to bring up a couple of weeks ago, which was memorabilia, lads. Um, something, something for a bit of fun, and anyone's got a, any memorabilia at home, text in before the end of the show. But uh, football memorabilia, do you collect it? Do you collect programs? Um, I mean, I used to collect programs. My granddad was a referee, and then became a referee assessor at the very top, at the very top, uh, you know, the top leagues in the in the old first division, as it was called and I, I i kept all of that stuff but from from my perspective newcastle united you know memorabilia is is not something i've i've, I've ever really fancied when you're a kid i always wanted to have a, a top you know uh, or something like that but as i started doing events over the years i felt less inclined to keep it because once you've seen yeah. one you've seen them all kind of thing so my bit of memorabilia my one thing that i have which i would tre- which i treasure and i don't think i'll sell is a football from my very first season as a Newcastle fan. And it's 1983-84 season, the promotion campaign, and it's the actual match ball from the Newcastle-Cardiff game at St James's Park, signed by both teams. So Keegan, Waddle, Beardsley, Arthur Cox. Wow. Um, on, the, on the Cardiff side, Gary Bennett had signed oh, it. For, uh, yeah. for but um, it's the actual match ball. And it's a Minerva match ball. It's still in very good condition. And it was Bobby Cowell, uh, FA Cup winner for Newcastle in, in 51, 52 and 55. His grandson, who I'm good friends with, um, actually had it in his possession and gave it to me as a present for everything I'd done for him over the years. So it was a nice gesture. Um, it's something I wouldn't sell. And I I had the privilege um, of doing a, a big talk and I organised a couple of years ago at the Lancastrian Suite and Gateshead with Keegan Waddle and Beardsley. Um, in my photograph with the lads, I took me ball. So um, that was mine. <laughs> so I've got the ball there with yeah. the three lads who played with that ball on that day. Um, but fantastic. That, so that's oh, that's my nice. special bit of memorabilia. I have got a couple of other bits mm. and bobs, which which are from the cup finals, 51, 52, 55. Some fans over the years have said, thanks for everything you do, the events you do. I, I would like to give you this because I know it's going to a good home. I've got bits and bobs. I've got Jackie Milburn's testimonial programme. And I've got a, a programme from 1946, which is the game after Newcastle won the 
record win over Newport County, thirteen nil. So I've, I've, you know, there's this couple of little bits and bobs that I've got. But what about you, lads? Have you got? I mean, I know you've got some signed shirts, Rye, uh, which you which mm-hmm. you recently received. When we started doing this show, I think you got, I think you got McGree's shirt, didn't you? I did. Um, yeah, I did. That, so is, the, is that your best bit, yeah. or have you got something else? Oh, I think so. That's yeah. The, the club sent me literally just a month ago. Uh, the three Aussie boys, obviously, the privilege of. I got to announce for the club the signing of Sammy Silvia and Tom Glover when they first came to the club in this off-season. That was uh, my video and my announcement that I got to share with the world that they were signing for the borough. And then, yeah, part of the that was the club was nice enough to get the three lads to sign the sh- their each of their shirts, a goalkeeper shirt, away shirt, and home shirt, and they all signed it for me. And I think the most memorabilia one, though, would be uh, I got a program that was sent to me actually by a borough fan who was kind enough to get it sorted for me end of last season. It was a program... Uh, from the Middlesbrough Coventry game um, just before we went into the playoffs. And we actually uh, had, uh, obviously, the likes of Cameron Archer, Ryan Giles and um, Aaron Ramsey, all of those. And they all signed the program for me. Uh, and on the cover, it's got, you know, two in Richter's best wishes, love Riley McGree. And it says love Riley McGree, so I'll never let him forget that as well. And then Michael Carrick signed it just beneath it as well, uh, saying best wishes, which is actually incredible. And then all the boys signed it, every player. So... Uh, from that squad last season. So I've got Tuba Akpom's signature and stuff like that. So that's quite special for me because that was kind of the season where, you know, everything kind of started off for me in terms of the YouTube and everything like that. So um, I think that's probably my closest. But yeah, they, these jerseys are quite special. Uh, Ted, you've probably got that. Um, you've that also got a copy of the Evening Gazette, mate. You. You've now got a copy of the Evening I Gazette. Do. I just I haven't do. sent it out yeah. to you. So would you like yeah, me to sign it across well, your face? Uh, yes, please. Yes, I'll happily please. sign it across yes, your please. face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I that's need fine, you to yeah. sign that. Yeah. There's enough room on that forehead that you can sign in there twice. <laughs> so get you and Daz because Daz is more popular than you now. By the oh, way, don't forget. It. So stop Daz it. is the Daz is the, the most famous one out of. Uh, so I need his signature in there as well because that's going to be worth something one day. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's that's definitely you know. Any, I I love it though. I've collected shirts from 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 every season. I've got every Borough shirt home and away for since 2003. Uh, and I've also got some of the Aussie players that played in the Premier League. So I've got Timmy Cahill's, Harry Kuehl's, Mark Viduka's, uh, stuff like that as well. So yeah, I've got a good collection of, of kits that I absolutely love collecting. And my dream is to have one, say, a studio where they're all hanging. But uh, I was just saying, Ted, you've got that signed jockstrap that I sent you. That's probably up there, right? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, unwashed. Uh, kept it in its original That's exactly state. Right. Uh, exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I use I use it to frighten the cats. Um, yeah. Yeah. For, for me, I mean, I've, I've actually my greatest pieces, I suppose, or collection of memorabilia is is all from one day, and I've, I've spoke about it before. Actually, um, it was the twenty second of November, nineteen eighty six, when I was mascot versus Shrewsbury Town, and I. Um, Back at my, my mother's home back in, in the UK, which I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to visit next year and, and, and grab some of this stuff as well. I have the, the kit that I wore that day. It was the old Patrick kit with the Sunderland badge in the middle. The old Sunderland badge with the ship on, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I've still got the full kit somewhere wrapped in a, in a, in a bag. Um, I've got a programme from the day as well, uh, which was obviously a little write-up on me. I think it was David Corner who was on the front of that one as well. It's, uh, yeah, like quite some time ago. And um, my boots, I had a pair of Dunlop Roma, um, which which, which, which would, I probably wouldn't squeeze into them these days, like not with these trotters, but... Uh, but my, uh, my my mom at the time after the game and obviously you know you, you finish and you sort of go and watch the match and all that sort of thing. My football boots were taken off, but my mother actually scraped off the the mud from Roker Park and kept that mud in a matchbox 
and that's also still oh, wow. there, which is like obviously Roker Park's no more now. It's like special, it's yeah, daft. Yeah. It's not worth anything, but it's it's sentimental value. It's absolutely priceless, you know. And uh, it's sort of the the memories of that day and seeing that little shirt. I've I've actually been made aware there's there's a guy uh, making replicas now of that same shirt. So it'd be, it'd be lovely to get myself oh, wow. one in the adult size as well as the one that uh, that probably wouldn't fit over me calf now. But uh, there you go. <laughs> But yeah, that's 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 the most the most prized one for me, obviously, and it's not just you know, you lads know this anyway, Steve. You know that you can tell the way you passionately speak about that ball and things like that. It's it's the emotional like sort of worth yeah. that comes yeah. with that. You know, yeah. it's it's the memories yeah, exactly. of, of all those uh, bygone days, isn't it? But yeah, that's that's certainly yeah. my most valuable. Yeah, I used to get a lot of shirts. I mean, I, when I worked on the doors, I think I've mentioned this before on the show in Newcastle. I had, um, I, I was one of the few doormen who, who liked football. Lots of them were into yeah. boxing, MMA, and stuff. So I used yeah. to, I used to look after the Newcastle players when they used to come, like you know, come into the venues, etc. And you know, it was, you know, it was it was nicer then. They they would occasionally bring me like shirts from, you know, from from a particular game. Oh, I'll get you a shirt from this game or, or whatever. So I had a couple. Of, you know, I mean, Uber for me, Martins. I, I more or less looked after him for two years I must have had about 20 number 9 shirts through my hands from him he used to just bring it a day. he used to bring it after every game I think I managed to keep a hold of one um, Andy Carroll's debut shirt I got that which was number 39 which was quite because wow. uh, no, wow. he played in number 9 and that was quite a, that was quite he made his debut as a sub against Manchester United and um, I had um, I had one or two one or two others um, you know like goalkeeper shirts and stuff like that Steve Harper's shirt uh, John Carelsi who didn't exactly cover his in glory it was a really nice guy he he dropped a shirt in one day but yeah i i ended i ended up with a load and i, I think probably the one that the, the the one that i got which again i don't happen now i sold it was um kieran dyer scored two goals against southampton in the fa cup in a 3-2 win and it was a black strip we, we very rarely wore it because it would clash with referees and this particular strip he scored two goals in it's it was soaking wet when he gave us it and it still had it still had the white chalk dust off the yes uh, off the off the oh, touchline wow. on it you know what i mean so it yeah. was um yeah I, i've had a few in the day but i got rid of them all and then you know it's, i had I had daughters as well i didn't have sons so for, for me you know there was and they're not interested in football me kids so there was nobody to pass them down to and i just you know I, over the course of various events i've just got rid of them but um i still got one or two kept one or two for poster I've got a, I've got a signed Pele shirt, which is obviously a replica shirt wow. with Pele's signature on. I've got a an Aussie Art Dealers Argentina Argentina shirt kicking around somewhere. I'm pretty sure I've got um, a couple from from auctions as well. Um, I'm, I'm fairly certain I've got a Sunderland top signed by a promotion team. I'd have to check which one it was. And I've, and I've also got a Middlesbrough top, I think, signed yes. by the Middlesbrough team, which I bought. It was one of those where you started the bid off in an auction to help the charity oh, out, yeah, yeah. and nobody else. Nobody bid on wants it. a Borough shirt. Uh, and I ended up. I ended up. I ended up. I ended up with that I'm shirt. Not playing his trumpet. Oh. Well, there he is. And, and, and speaking of playing trumpets, Radio Dad, have you got it set up? I have. He even oh. does an intro, and he sounds very friendly. Does the chap? I, mean, it's, I love it. It's, I love yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the other side of Ted. You never get to see. Oh, hello there, lads. Uh, got a bit of a trumpet gig coming up. Bit of a session work. I need to do some recording, so I'm going to get some practice in. You know. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> That's brilliant. 
That's so good. I think when you get here, what I'm going to do is we'll, we'll, we'll get you and Nobby Solano together. Um, we'll, his, we'll have a trumpet. I'd off. love to play in his band, mate. I, I've seen off. his band and they are phenomenal. Yeah. They are, I mean, Nobby's Nobby's hell of a good trumpet player. I'm he not is, even yeah. Nobby Solano is a cracking trumpet player. The Jordi Latinos um, still get together, but Nobby is very rarely with them. Uh, you wow. know, he is, yeah, he is yeah. back in the he is back in the tune now. I'm, I'm working with him. I'm off to Bulgaria for a night. Believe it or not, with me and Nobby are doing a talk in oh. Bulgaria in second week in December um, for the for the Newcastle United Bulgarian Supporters Club. But he's he, he always <laughs> gets asked that question at the talkings. Um, do you still play your trumpet? And he, he doesn't like, but I'm sure it wouldn't take him long to where to do it. So we'll we'll have to sort that out, Ted, when you come over. We'll get. Oh, Nobby, we'll do get you know what? I'd love together. that. Rivalries aside, I'd, I'd I'd love to do a little duet with Nobby Solano. What that a nice guy as like. well, Nobby Solano. What a nice guy. I thought you meant me. Yeah. You really slagged the bar off. Just literally. That's just said. Yeah, what a lovely man. And then there's Ted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, talking about talking about lovely guys, we've had a we've had a WhatsApp in, guys. We've had a WhatsApp in from oh. from Rye. Ah, uh, why? No. Can you believe? But it Hang is on. A, it is a UK Hang number. On. No, it's a UK number. It's uh UK oh. number. Love listening to all these shows. Keep up the good work, everyone. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Right. Nice, nice guys. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Nice, nice guy, Ryan. Likes, likes yeah. us. Likes yeah. us. Yeah. Nice guy, Ryan. Can I just quickly ask? He's just as well. He's in um, Plymouth. Oh, he's in Plymouth. He's in Plymouth. Oh. He's in Plymouth. Ryan Plymouth. Jeez. Now I think I know which one it wow. is. He's a split borough. We're taking over the world. Plymouth fan. But there you go. Good to have you with us, mate. Good oh, to have you with us. Oh, my favourite kind. No, thank you for tuning in, mate. And thank you for WhatsApping in as well. That's now Ryan and Donald. So yeah. we're now we can yeah. now officially take we can now officially say we've got two listeners. Uh, we have two official listeners. Two official listeners. We have Charlie as well as Charlie. If you remember, Charlie. Charlie was the one who sent you the picture of uh, of me in that absolutely disgraceful shirt on a yeah. night out. Absolutely. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Oh, Charlie, yeah. Johnny yeah. Charlie. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Have you seen what's happened here? Yeah, we got three. At first, oh, at my first, goodness. he's like, "Who's done this? Who sent this?" He's done some digging, hasn't he, to to find the culprit <laughs> who sent the shirt in. Charlie, if you've got any more incriminating photographs, please send them immediately. Immediately. Oh, I'm, the I was, don't the do that, Charlie. Go I was heads. in a club band with Charlie. That's not a good idea at <laughs> all. Any photos of Ted Blue and somebody? Else's trumpet, uh, great. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, I tell you what, I tell you what, we could we could have a feature, we could have a, regu- a regular feature here. You know, we've had his manager on from his Billingham cons days or whatever it was he was playing for. Uh, we've now got Charlie, we've now got Charlie who's a band member. We could do a regular Let's Embarrass Ted session, it would be great. That could go pear shaped, Mrs. Ted. If you're yeah, listening, that, yeah, <laughs> it could. <laughs> Hey oh, Steve, can yeah, I just quickly ask much. on that kit, the the kit thing? Do you? I know you obviously go to. Do you wear uh, the Newcastle kit to the games? It depends, mate. I mean, in in the summer, of course I do. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I'm not somebody who wears a top over a. a so you, a you buy the current um, shirt for wearing to games. Under Mike Ashley for 14 years, mate. I refuse to do it. I refuse to fund oh. anything to do with him. I didn't go to Sports Direct. You know, at your own detriment. I was spending yeah. about 15 quid more on a pair of uh, trainers than I was, you know, normally. But yeah, I just, I just, you know, I just banned, I, I banned buying anything. And then especially when they got a payday loan company on the front of it. And then, you know, for me, that was that was. 
was just the ultimate low. Um, but yeah, we, we most Newcastle fans stopped doing it. Um, so when the, when the when the owners took over, you know, yeah, it became it became technology. Even, you know, a lot of people would would go to, you know, these online companies and you know that were making snide tops and buy them rather than rather than put the money into the club and buy three for 38 mm. quid or whatever it was but me personally yeah i do i buy, i always bought the tops before ashley's you know shenanigans and now again i've bought all three tops um i bought the tracksuit this year i really like the tracksuit i bought myself the coat so yeah I, I you know and i wear them because obviously you know i'm seven days a week i do nufc matters five days a week yeah, we do course. the northeast footy brekkie show and occasionally i do stuff i did something for talk sport yesterday i do a bit for talk tv every now and then it's nice to be able to wear stuff that you know shows you're a fan yeah. i guess you know what i mean it's uh, but yeah you're also putting a bit of money into the club which you don't mind doing because you know yeah. the club's being run properly and you know you agree with what they're doing so yeah i, I do i mean you obviously wear tops you know and I'm, i've yeah. seen i've seen as well ted does and i think that you know it's just part if you can afford it why not yeah no i love it yeah i was just uh, just obviously interested to just see because obviously you know you, you, you the kits and the memorabilia and that i think for me some of the memorabilia are the kits that i've just bought just from like you know 10 seasons ago 12 seasons ago sort of thing they're obviously not signed or anything like that but just looking back them and the memories of some games and that sort of thing for me i think is just no, but I think if I was obviously over there, I'd be wearing the full kit every day, sort of thing. To it, and you know, you'd have some some memories connected to that match up day. There is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not the full kit, right? No. <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah, what do you mean full kit? I'd be, I'd be short socks, boots. I'd be ready to jump on oh. if Carrick needed me. You got to be, right? There you you got to be. The injuries that Mara have, you, know head, I mean? you got to be ready to go, mate. That head at corners will be, oh, it'll be a lethal weapon. I'm telling you. <laughs> It would be. You keep hey, saying it. You keep they saying call, it. They call Maguire um, Slabhead. Wait till I come in. There's something we've forgotten, fellas. We haven't done predictions for tonight's game. Yes. I know well, we haven't spoken about no, any of the Sunderland game. I didn't get a chance to say anything about the game, even though I, I, I specifically requested on my rider. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam, Sam Ryder. Yeah, okay. Jumping, <laughs> jumping with both feet, right? We, we, we're going to squeeze probably 30 seconds of Hootie and the Blowfish's Christmas song in. So we'll push that right back. So let's talk Sunderland briefly. Uh, very excited. Uh, looks to all intents and purposes, Adil Aushish is going to start the game tonight, and he'll probably rest. Um, he might rest Equa and give Job another game, to be honest. But well, that remains to be seen. Aushish looks very, very lively. I can't wait to see him actually start the game. Um, I think we will get back to winning ways tonight. I can see us scoring. Uh, Mayenda possibly getting a start as well. So I reckon a, a, a nice, comfortable two-nil win to Sunderland tonight. Hmm. Mm, I'm going. I'm going two nil as well. Uh, I'm, the only thing I'm worried about is obviously you guys not scoring, but I think Huddersfield are going to let you do that with, yeah. with some sort of ease. Uh, but because I think it's the, you know the quality of the opposition, I think. But uh, yeah, I'm expecting Sunderland to, to be able to walk this win. I, I mean, I, even though you did lose to Plymouth, I think the the writing was on the wall that, that you did have a good team, and yeah. I think Mog will probably sort out a few issues there as well with Pierre Aguirre and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm going for a two nil win to Sunderland. And I predicted Borough would draw in with a two nil as well. I predicted Borough would draw last night, so I'll predict that Sunderland will draw 1-1, and that means that Sunderland will probably win. So there you go, Ted. 3-0 Sunderland. 4-0 win. 3-0 Sunderland. 3-0. There we go. Wow. You're going to get goals. Jeez. And, well, I'm going for a 2-0 Sunderland. Morning, chaps. Yes, Daz. Good morning, Daz. Good morning. Hey. 
He has arrived. Yes, just. Yeah. He has indeed. In his golden chariot. Have you had breakfast it. with this morning then? <laughs> Chesney Hawks? Daz. Daz, what a game. Daz. What a game. Daz. Yeah, we'll, Daz, we'll talk sense game, with you, right? Right? Um, <laughs> oh, Daz. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I, I listened to the watch along as well. Uh, you were on oh, top form, I must say. Thank you. Thank you. On the red, of course. He's now known as the full kit banker on here, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased that that word began with a B. Easy, easy. Oh, tiger. wow. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Oh, um, weren't right. expecting that. Wasn't expecting that. We'll have to say Rye 2 here. Rye 2. <laughs> Ryan Plymouth has, uh, has come back with... Uh, oh, hang on a second. We're getting we're getting more and more messages coming in right in the death. Uh, he's got a question for oh. us. Can we carry this question on the, the shows for the rest of the week? Question is, what's your all-time yes. favourite game that you've attended and why? So can somebody remember that? Plank it in the old memory banks. Yep. And Whoever's doing the show tomorrow, remember it. Yeah, okay, so yeah, favourite game you've attended and why. So that's for Ryan Plymouth. And um, yep. I'll do that, Ryan. You might not do it now when he uh, he's followed up with he had a great weekend. Us beating the Mackhams because he's a Plymouth fan. So uh, there you go. Mm. Uh, that's it. Remove that, Ryan. I've got more important things to do. <laughs> <laughs> and there goes your question. Not your yeah. show, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, we've got no time left whatsoever. In fact, we're eating up Daz's mid-morning show oh, now, no. and uh, and all this good stuff and and <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, there it is. Uh, I'll let him see. So uh, we've actually gone beyond nine o'clock and we haven't even played a Christmas song. Do we need one? I think Look we'll at us, go. News, won't we? Should we yeah, just go on the news? Go the news yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. just go on the news. Hang on a second. Uh, thank you, fellas. Great show. Have a good one. See you tomorrow. Happy St Andrews, dear. See you tomorrow. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the North East Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve and Ted. Right across the northeast, the red, the tune and the cat.